what an eventful year it has been. So eventful that many observers are not satisfied simply waiting for quarterly or monthly economic data to determine how the economy is faring. Things are changing so quickly that people have been turning to high-frequency data, including data available on a daily basis, such as the number of restaurant reservations or the number of people passing through TSA checkpoints. Data regarding unemployment claims, which come out each week, have also become an increasingly popular indicator during the crisis. There's a problem, though. These data may be highly misleading. As indicated by writer Ben Castleman, federal data regarding how many people have been collecting unemployment insurance have been plagued with errors, double counting, and other issues. The most significant issues appear to involve pandemic unemployment assistance, a program Congress created back in March to cover freelancers, self-employed workers, and others who are left out of the regular unemployment insurance system. Federal data imply that nearly 15 million Americans are presently receiving benefits under that program, but many economists believe that overstates the true number by millions. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. It is a widely held belief in the business community that generous unemployment insurance benefits dissuade workers from returning to work. That issue has been of particular salience this year. In March, Congress passed a $600 a week jobless benefit supplement as part of the CARES Act. Many households use the benefit to pay rent, purchase food, and cover utility, medical, and other bills as the economy shut down and millions of jobs were lost. As indicated by writer Patricia Cohen, with the federal unemployment supplement, which ended in July, most unemployed workers, nearly 7 in 10, received more than they had been earning in wages. The argument is that had those unemployment benefits not been so generous, many people would have returned to work earlier as businesses reopened. Perhaps, but there are many economic studies indicating that the $600 supplement deterred relatively few workers from accepting a job. Researchers at Yale University who reviewed scheduling and time clock data for small businesses found no evidence that more generous benefits disincentivized work. Five other studies by different groups of economists produced exactly the same results. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. While millions of Americans are wrestling with unemployment, unpaid rent, and looming evictions, America's billionaires have collectively seen their fortunes skyrocket over the past six months. As reported by CNN, the Institute for Policy Studies' latest billionaire bonanza report on wealth inequality indicates that the 643 wealthiest Americans have accumulated an astonishing $845 billion in combined assets between March 28th and September 15th. That translates into well over a billion dollars gained per billionaire and means that their combined wealth expanded by 29%. To be even more specific, the net wealth of this group rose from a bit less than $3 trillion to $3.8 trillion. The list of the highest earners includes Elon Musk, CEO of Tesla, Larry Ellison, CEO of Oracle, and former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. All this occurred while a pandemic ushered in the worst unemployment crisis since the Great Depression, with the official rate of unemployment approaching 15% in April. Though there has been some economic recovery since then, the nation is still down 11.5 million jobs since February. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. Occasionally, 
we receive a piece of data that reminds us of the way things were prior to COVID-19. That occurred recently when a report indicated that last year, a record low share of Americans were living in poverty. As indicated by the Census Bureau, the share of Americans living in poverty fell to 10.5% last year, down 1.3 percentage points from 2018. Last year's poverty rate is the lowest since estimates were initially published in 1959. As reported by the New York Times, the report produced additional good news. Household incomes rose to their highest level on record based on data available back to 1967. Despite what had been a record long expansion coming into 2020, approximately 26 million Americans, or 8% of the population, still lacked health coverage for all of last year. In some, the report highlights how strong the labor market and broader economy were ahead of the pandemic following a record log expansion that commenced in 2009. Yet it reminds us that despite those macroeconomic gains, many families remained vulnerable to the pandemic-induced economic shock. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. As indicated by CNN Business, while Americans will still head to malls in the future, their trips may have little to do with shopping. Mall vacancies are increasing at a rapid rate as online commerce continues to gain market share. In response, landlords are looking for ways to adaptively reuse the growing glut of empty stores. According to a research unit of Moody's Analytics, the rate of mall vacancies reached a record high of 9.8% early last month, exceeding the previous peak of 9.3% in 2011. Vacancy is expected to expand during the years ahead as more retailers go bankrupt and more stores close. In this type of macroeconomic environment, replacing a shuttered store with another store could backfire. Accordingly, mall developers are scouting for businesses other than retail Retailers, anything from charter schools and dentist offices to storage facilities serving both residential and commercial customers. Ironically, some stores are being turned into warehouses supporting e-commerce. According to a recent Wall Street Journal report, Amazon seeks to convert former or current JCPenney and Sears stores into distribution hubs to deliver packages. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu.